Hi everyone, welcome back to the MedBullet Step 1 podcast. In today's episode, we cover the topic of vestibular system found under the neurology section at medbullets.com. Let's begin with an introduction to the vestibular system. Remember that angular acceleration of the head is detected by the semicircular canals. This is secondary to endolymph movement via the ampulla, and the hair cells will then send excitatory input into the primary sensory neuron, which have their cell bodies in the vestibular ganglia of scarpa, which send axons via the vestibular nerve, which runs in the internal acoustic meatus. Linear acceleration of the head and head tilt is detected by the macula, which is contained within the utricle and saccule. The macula contain otoliths, which are calcified crystals. The otoliths may be pulled with linear acceleration and activate hair cells, which will then excite primary sensory neurons, which lead to the vestibular ganglia through the vestibular nerve. The vestibular nerve then runs synapses to the vestibular nuclei, which then relay to other structures within the central nervous system, such as the medial longitudinal fasciculus, which mediates the vestibular ocular reflex. Other structures include the spinal cord, the cerebellum, such as from the flocculonodular lobes and vermis, and the cerebral cortex via the thalamic ventral posterior nucleus. Clinical correlates of the vestibular system include caloric testing. This is a test that stimulates the vestibular ocular reflex via warm or cold water infusion into the ear. Normal findings with warm water include nystagmus with the fast phase towards the site of the infused water. With cold water, there will be nystagmus with the fast phases towards the opposite side of the infused water. The mnemonic to remember this is COWS, cold opposite, warm same. Another clinical correlate is nystagmus. This describes rhythmic movements of the eye, which can result from an asymmetric vestibular input. Now let's discuss vertigo in more detail. Peripheral vertigo is due to lesions affecting the vestibular apparatus in the inner ear or cranial nerve 8. The differential includes benign paroxysmal positional vertigo, vestibular neuritis, Meniere's disease, acoustic neuroma, aminoglycosidetoxicity, semicircular canal dehiscence syndrome, perilymphatic fistula, and herpes zoster oticus, also known as Ramsey-Hunt syndrome. Symptoms include intermittent and positional vertigo. It can be associated with tinnitus as well as hearing loss and postural unsteadiness. Nystagmus is typically delayed in onset, rotatory or horizontal, and it is prominent if vertigo is present and it is adaptive, and the vertigo stops with visual fixation. Central vertigo is due to lesions affecting the brainstem nuclei and the cerebellum. The differential includes vestibular migraine, brainstem stroke, multiple sclerosis, and ischemic or hemorrhagic damage to the cerebellum. Symptoms include non-positional vertigo. It may accompany other cranial nerve injuries, such as a facial droop or dysarthria. The nystagmus is immediate or delayed in onset, and it is rotatory, horizontal, or vertical, and not adaptive, and the vertigo does not stop with visual fixation. Now that we've discussed the major points relating to vestibular system, let's walk through a question to apply what we've learned and get a sense of how the topic might be tested. For this question, consider the following clinical scenario. An 82-year-old male visits his primary care physician for a checkup. He reports that he is in his usual state of health. His only new complaint is that he feels as if the room is spinning, which has affected his ability to live independently. He is currently on lisinopril, metformin, aspirin, 
warfarin, metoprolol, and simvastatin, and says that he has been taking them as prescribed. On presentation, his temperature is 98.8 degrees Fahrenheit, or 37 degrees Celsius. Blood pressure is 150 over 93. Pulse is 82 beats per minute, and respirations are 12 breaths per minute. On exam, he has a left facial droop, and his speech is slightly garbled. Eye exam reveals nystagmus with certain characteristics. The type of nystagmus seen in this patient would most likely also be seen in which of the following diseases. And the answer choices are, choice one, aminoglycoside toxicity. Choice two, benign paroxysmal positional vertigo. Choice three, Meniere disease. Choice four, multiple sclerosis. Or choice five, vestibular neuritis. The best answer to this question is, choice four, multiple sclerosis. This patient with facial droop, dysarthria, and vertigo most likely has central vertigo due to a previous stroke. Central nystagmus is also seen in multiple sclerosis. Vertigo can be divided into central and peripheral vertigo depending on the location of the lesion. Peripheral vertigo results from damage to the vestibular system or cranial nerve 8 and presents with an adaptive delayed onset nystagmus. Central vertigo, on the other hand, results from damage to the brainstem nuclei or cerebellum and has a non-adaptive nystagmus that can be either immediate or delayed in onset. This patient most likely had a previous stroke leading to central nystagmus. This type of nystagmus would also be seen in multiple sclerosis. Let's also discuss why the other choices are incorrect. Choice 1. Aminoglycoside toxicity can lead to damage of the vestibular system and causes peripheral vertigo rather than central vertigo, as seen in this case. Choice 2. Benign paroxysmal positional vertigo is an intermittent dysfunction of the vestibular system that causes peripheral vertigo. Choice 3. Meniere disease is caused by fullness of the endolymphatic system and causes peripheral vertigo. Choice 5. Vestibular neuritis is caused by irritation of the vestibulocochlear nerve and it causes peripheral vertigo. Finally, a bullet summary. Central vertigo is caused by lesions to the brainstem or cerebellum, such as in strokes or multiple sclerosis. That's all for this review about vestibular system. We hope that was helpful. This is the MedBullet Step 1 podcast, a daily audio review session for MedBullets, the free learning and collaboration community for medical student education. As a reminder, you can follow along with these podcast episodes by reviewing the topics directly on MedBullets.com. You can listen to these episodes on the MedBullets website or phone app while reading through the topic. If the MedBullets podcast has been valuable to you, we'd be thrilled if you considered leaving us a five-star rating and writing us a review on Apple Podcasts. It will help us spread the word and increase our discoverability tremendously. Thanks for tuning in. We'll see you all tomorrow, right here on the MedBullet Step 1 podcast.